Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hello, hello. I've got some very disturbing news. So if you don't like to hear things about Alabia, don't even listen for the next, I don't know how long I'll be. I got probably four minutes on this. Welcome to Telling Everybody Everything. I've decided to shave the puss. (laughs) Not that I have a lot of hair. When you laser, it never comes back strong. I describe it like a newborn panda. You know, I get like a few pathetic white hairs. It just looks pink and sleepy and rare. But I've spoken before in my book about having a very stunning labia. Um, if you don't know all the parts of the vagina, basically we say vagina, but your your like crotch area is not your vagina. Your vagina is like something inside. Even ladies don't know this. Men, I mean, we know what you know, which is fuck all, but... There's like stuff in there. You have a cervix, you have a clitoris usually, you have a urethra, you have like inner and outer labia. And all you can see on my stunning vag, and whatever your vag looks like, it's stunning. They're all different. And a really wonderful man once said to me when I asked him like, what's guy's preference? He said, look, I've never seen one I didn't like. And I was like, yeah, that's fair. So anyway, all you can see on mine is like nothing. I have one of those invisible, like, small outer labias, I guess. And my vag just looks like what a Barbie's vag looks like. That's always what I thought they looked like. And, of course, we live in a very pornified society. Like, those are the women in Playboy magazine and whatever. Any, like, image of a naked woman I've seen looks like that. So I thought everyone had that. And then I learned through, like, art and the wall of vaginas that, like, everybody has very different, all beautiful, all equally acceptable labia. But... Not to shame anyone who's pregnant, but I was in the shower today shaving it because I want the midwife to have a very clean work surface. And I noticed that I have like spider veins. Guys, blue. My badge is blue. It's like a Smurf's puss. And there are spider veins like visible all around. And like it was hard to see. To shave it was hard to see. And then I had to get a mirror to investigate once I saw some blue. I was like, hang on. And I looked it up because I was worried because, okay, sometimes you get a tear or you need an episiotomy when you give birth, especially me. I had an episiotomy with Violet, which is when they go in and they like snip you a little bit to make the baby come out easier. And then with Fred, I just tore a little bit. Not a problem. Healed beautifully. A couple of stitches. I didn't even notice. It was fine. But yeah, both times there has been some trauma, which there doesn't always have to be, by the way, so don't be scared. Um, I just push too fast and the babies come too fast. But in a way, I digress. 
Now I'm thinking, I did have a blue vag with Fred. I did at the end because I remember it, but I don't think I like investigated it so clearly, or maybe I didn't really notice until after he was born that it was still a little bit blue for a few weeks and then it went away and it went back to stun. But I don't know how much more my labia could take. All right, I Googled it. It says, many women experience swollen labia during pregnancy because of the increased blood flow to the area. Some women even develop blue or purple veins on their labia, also known as vulvar varicosities, due to the growing uterus compressing on veins in the pelvis. And a lot of people have also searched it. You know, when you search something and other stuff comes up. <laughs> I love the language people use. They're like, are varicose veins on vag lips during pregnancy normal? Yeah. So yes, this condition most often affects people who are pregnant. We know why. We know why. But it's just not cute. Oh my God. I should have more visible spider veins, really. I have a few little varicose veins in my legs. or I don't know the difference. You know, little like you can see the blue veins in my legs because my skin is like a jellyfish. I'm basically translucent. You can see my beating heart like you. I'm see-through. But um, Kris Jenner said that she just got some type of solution injected into those little veins and they disappear immediately. And I thought, oh, one day I'll do that if I care. But my legs are ugly anyway, so I don't get them out a lot. But the veins that actually like pop out and are gross, if those don't go away, which they did last time, but if they don't go away this time, you have to have them like actually surgically removed. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, well, not long, not long to go. Sorry about that for anyone who didn't want to listen. If you're tuning back in, that was five minutes of me speaking about a situation with my labia. I'm over it now. Thank you for listening. If you did listen, I appreciate having your support. I also appreciate anyone who watched the Catherine or Louis Theroux meets Catherine Ryan last night. That's Tuesday, November 22nd. It came out on the BBC at 9 p.m., but now it's on iPlayer. And if you haven't seen it, I thought it was pretty good. I love Louis Theroux, and I feel very honored to have been included in his series of interviews. It would be great if you could watch it or just pop it on when you're cleaning the kitchen so BBC thinks you've watched it. Um, it's just, it's always kind of embarrassing because they count how many people watch stuff. And if you're a flop, then like they get sad and then they don't let you do more stuff. So, I mean, I just want everyone to feel like they did the right thing booking me. I want Louis Theroux to feel good about having taken a chance on me. I want his production company who are very wonderful mind house, uh, to feel good about it. I want the BBC to think about it and feel like, oh, we like Catherine. All right, maybe she's not the dragon that we thought. And I'm very lucky to have other projects on the BBC, like All That Glitters. And Mindhouse also made David Baddiel's Jews Don't Count, which Bobby and I watched on Channel 4. We tried to watch it the night before, but we couldn't stay up late enough, and then it wasn't available on all four straight away afterwards. So we watched it on all four, catch up, last night. And we loved it. I love David Baddiel. Sarah Silverman was in that, which is always very exciting for me to see her sweet face. And um, it was just really important if you haven't seen it. Mindhouse, Louis Theroux, David Baddiel, everybody's doing great stuff. Big fan, guys. I'll tell you who I'm not a fan of this week. And I have her permission to say so. Ugh. Anyone else harboring a teenager? You know, or maybe you don't know and you need to be told 
that their brain goes through a very specific chrysalis of evolution. And I can't remember exactly what I've read about that, but I mean, the summary is they're getting smarter and their brain is developing in such a way that it actually sort of atrophies for a bit and they do silly things and they're growing in a weird way. So they bump into walls and they forget things. And this is all part of the natural growth cycle of their brain as their brain reaches maturity. Uh, But Violet right now, man, I mean, she has never been a problem for us. She is a wonderful person and a very interesting, magnanimous uh, girl who I think, you know, doors will open for Violet just because she's fun to be around. She's good. She's got great social skills. She, I think that's what counts in life. You know, if you can be someone who makes other people feel excited and good and happy, then people are going to want you around. I think it counts for a lot in the job sector. I think it's just a wonderful quality. Violet has always been very considerate and peaceful and funny and just someone that I love to be around. However, we had to take devices away and do like sort of an actual grounding, though I'm taking her to see the uh, opening of Elf the Musical in the West End tomorrow night with one of her best friends. So, I mean, I'm not really great at grounding people, but she's just been forgetting a lot of things. And uh, it's easy to say, oh, this is normal for your development. You're going to forget things. But then also when we were growing up, it was a less sensitive time and we did have accountability. And maybe you need to be punished or you need to have some type of consequence to train your brain to remember the things that you're supposed to do. And there has been a bit of dishonesty about assignments that have been completed and whatnot. So I said, do you know what? We have to do this. We have to actually discipline you at 13 years old for the first time in your life. And she was cool with it. And it's been great, actually, because with no devices, uh, Violet's so much more present in the family. But still managing to be a bit of a dick. Once again, I have asked her permission to tell the story because I think kids reach an age where they're very much entitled to privacy and I don't want to slag a teenager off. I hear comedians sometimes talk about their teenage daughters specifically and it makes me really uncomfortable. But Violet thinks this is a funny story and I actually think it's a funny story too, even though it's fucking shocking. Like you're trying to be on your best behavior, get out of being grounded. And this is the shit that your brain is telling you to do. We get up in the morning. Violet's responsibilities include, there are very few and far between, by the way, the pets. At night, she has to give the cat dinner. That never, ever happens. We always feed the cat dinner. And then Violet has to keep the cat outside in the evenings. Please don't write in about how that's not fair to the cat. It's getting cold. She is a massive like Norwegian Maine Coon mutt mix and she loves being outside and we live kind of on the border of London and the countryside. So she's got lots to do. She's got warm places to go outside like she likes to be outside. So and we like her to be outside because she pisses fur all into the atmosphere. And honestly, I'm nice to the cat. I don't like the cat. I don't like the cat around my space. So she lets the cat out at night. Violet um, lets the dogs out right before bed. And then she puts them in their lovely little crates, the beds they sleep in. And that's where they go for the entire night. And then in the morning, Violet wakes up for school 
on her own. She is meant to. And then she's meant to come down, feed everyone breakfast, let the cat in. This morning, I woke up earlier than everyone. Like, I mean, I always do, but I came down because Fred like was just being chill with Bobby. And I did the pet chores for Violet. I thought, you know, I'm going to do this girl a solid. I'm going to let the dogs out, give them their treat. But when I did so, I noticed that there was a little poo in Cardi's crate, our little black poodle. Not, you know, an emergency looking sick poo or anything, but like she had done a poo in there and dogs normally won't do that in their bed unless it's an emergency or they're a fucking moron, which maybe, I don't know, Cardi's, I'm on the fence about which scenario that was for Cardi. But it also sort of tells me that Violet didn't properly do her evening before chore of letting Cardi out for an adequate time for her to use the toilet before going to bed. Or maybe she popped her in the crate too early. I don't know. I felt bad for Cardi. But I was like, I'm not dealing with this poo. Fred was up. Fred needed the toilet. So I said, Violet, before you go to school, you need to deal with this poo. And then everyone leaves. Bobby was driving Violet to school that day. I'm playing with Fred and I feel a chill. And I say, what? Oh, the, uh, the heating's meant to be on. What's this? The back door, sliding glass door, wide open. Now, a lot of my diehard friends and fans will know that we were once robbed because I left a window open, and I'm very sensitive now about the windows and doors, even if it's the daytime, even if we're home, and especially in the winter, in an energy crisis, you don't leave that shit open. So I was like, who left the door open? And Bobby, he's been going out to his little gym slash podcast studio that I'm in now, actually. I'll take a picture. I'll show you guys. Um, and I thought maybe he went for a cigarette. Maybe he's feeling like he needed a cigarette this morning because he doesn't always, or maybe he went to the gym. Like, who was it? So I just think I've got to make a phone call. They're in the car together. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. I'm sick of dealing with everyone's shit. So I call the car. Violet answers, hello. She's answering Bobby's phone because, of course, she's excited to be in proximity of a device. I said, Violet, which one of you two twits left the back door open? And Violet very... <laughs> very charmingly was like, oh, yeah, that was me. I said, why? She said, oh, well, you know, it must have been when you had Fred on the toilet and I was dealing with Cardi's poo. I opened the back door, I chucked the poo out, and then I must have forgotten to shut it. And I said, well, you, hang on. And I can hear Bobby next to her thinking the same thing. Hang on. You opened the sliding glass door to our patio that Bobby uh leaf blows and sweeps and power washes every day even though the leaves fall on it hourly he takes so much pride in that beautiful patio and you did what we have okay not bragging we have seven bathrooms I'm like you chucked a dog shit out onto the patio so i go over there with fred and i look there is a dog poo on the pool cover i said what why 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 would you do this? And she goes, well, I don't, I don't know. I just thought the best place for the shit was outside. And so I just, I was aiming for the leaves. Bobby's like, what leaves? So this girl, man, I mean, I love her so much, but it actually reminds me of something that I did when I was really little, really little, not 13, by the way, because we had something called discipline and consequences. Um, when I was about seven, I was out for a walk with my babysitter and my sisters, and I found that a little blue robin's egg had fallen from a tree, and it was just laying at the bed of the tree, just in some leaves. It hadn't broken or anything, and I thought, oh my gosh, 
well, I've touched it now. I picked it up and I said, oh, the mother bird won't come back for this egg. So I better take it home and hatch it. And I loved animals and I loved baby animals, obviously. So I put it in an egg cup kept it warm with a Kleenex tissue paper all around it. And I popped that under my lamp, my little ballerina lamp on my dresser. And then I forgot about it. I just waited. I thought, there you go. It's in an egg cup. It's warm. This robin's going to hatch any day. And my mom, after a few weeks, genuinely weeks, came sniffing around my room. She's like, I have had enough. There is some type of smell emanating from your room. And again, we had pets. She's like, I think the cat has had an accident under your bed. So my mom is like on her hands and knees, sniffing all around my bedroom, being like, what the fuck is that smell? Like, I can't take it anymore. And I was like, oh, I don't know. The sensory adaptation, I just couldn't smell this dead, rotten egg under my lamp. And my mom finally found it. She followed her nose and she was like, what, Catherine, is this? And I said, well, it's a baby robin's egg that I'm hatching. And, uh, I don't understand. My mom's like, it stinks. It's dead. It's rotten. Like this is never going to hatch into a bird. You got to get rid of it. So I slid open our glass patio door and I had the little egg in my hand and I just threw it. I thought I had a stronger arm. I thought it would make it to the back of the garden, but instead I basically spiked it and it splattered at my feet all across the patio and like trigger warning for anyone who really loves birds it was like a little bit of a developed robin fetus. Like you could see a little baby bird skeleton, but it was also like completely green and rotted and there was lots of like fluid and, you know, the bird didn't make it. Basically it was rotten. Um, So I just was like, well, there we go. So I turned around, shut the door, unlike Violet, and I went back in the house. And then about an hour later, I hear my dad out there ranting and raving like, like, what's going on? I look out and there are probably one million flies. Mosquitoes, flies, whatever Canadian bugs, like zooming around our patio. My dad's like waving his arms. We're like, I'm like, oh, what's happening? I don't understand. And my mom goes, Catherine, did you smash this rotten baby bird egg on the patio? I said, yeah, yeah. I'm seven years old. You told me to get rid of an egg. I don't know how to get rid of an egg. I just threw it outside. Exactly the same, probably uh, silhouette as Violet chucking the poo directly onto the pool cover. So my dad's got a hose. He's like hosing down this horrible, rotten bird thing. My parents were so cross with me. They were honestly like, why are you not thinking? And like, I know that everyone tries their best. And I felt really disappointed at the time. Like, oh, they think that I've done this to be bad. And I'm like, I, all I was trying to do is get rid of the egg. I didn't know that the egg was going to splatter on the patio. And then I didn't think that a bunch of bugs would come. And I didn't realize it was going to make my dad really angry. And everyone's so disappointed in me. But at the end of the day, all I was trying to do is save a baby bird's life in the beginning. And like, it was, it's hard for kids to think of things. <laughs> but when you're 13, like, I'm sorry, if you've got blonde highlighted hair, you look cool, you're wearing eyeliner for the day, Violet, you can think a little bit beyond, I'm going to chuck a poodle's shit straight up the door onto the pool cover. And so we extended her device ban by an extra day. I don't know what else to do. It's like these kids, ugh, I wasn't going to yell at her, but 
I don't know what, what would have happened to me. We didn't have devices to take away, but this is their only currency. You have to be like, be, I'm taking these distractions away so that you can be present in your life and think about where shit goes. Oh, I meant to tell you, it is not often that I have great things to say about hospitals. Of course, I don't blame any of the hospital staff, but I feel like the National Health Service is completely run into the ground and loads of people have to wait for appointments in A&E. You could be there four hours, eight hours, you don't know. And I just, I don't know. I think a lifetime of having an autoimmune disease and having to explain myself to doctors and then watching them Google stuff in front of me and tell me the wrong information. I get it. Like you're overworked and you're tired and it shouldn't be that way, but I just don't, I don't like medical intervention and I would like to avoid it as much as possible if I can. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you get a car accident. Chatz shalom, And you have to go to the hospital and they fix you and they save your life. Or sometimes if you're lucky enough to be very, 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 very sick, then the NHS steps in and they'll save your life and you'll get the tests you need. But I think uh, you might not get diagnosed in the first place. And that's because they're underfunded and they're too busy. But I am 39 years old. I am pregnant. I'm about to have this baby and I do have lupus. So there are risk mitigations that my midwife has to make. I understand they have a duty of care to keep you safe. They can't just be like, oh, Catherine wants to free birth. You know, Catherine just wants to stay home and have no one look at her, touch her, and just deliver her baby herself, you know, in the front room watching the Kardashians. And low key, I really think I could do that. Like, I don't think I actually need anyone, including, well, I think I would love to have Bobby there. But I think if I, if push came to shove and I needed to deliver my baby in a dark room alone like a cat, I feel like I could do it. But maybe that's because I'm an asshole. But I just feel like having done it twice, I know what to expect. I don't know. You never know what to expect. There could be any like wild cards. So fine. So my midwife says to me, you know, Catherine, your baby is measuring a little bit small. I have been smaller in this pregnancy for some reason. And maybe it's because I work a lot. I don't rest very much. I'm chasing after Fred a lot. I don't know. Maybe it's because I have some placental dysfunction because of lupus and because of my age. Who knows? So she said, you have to do some extra investigations. Fine. So she made me an appointment at a local hospital and begrudgingly I went. Guys, this hospital blew me away. The nurses were amazing. The hospital, I don't even think I can say it. Well, I don't know. Like, what's the danger in me saying it? You kind of know where I live. Oh, no, I shouldn't say it. It's in North London, but like basically it was a stunning hospital, really clean inside. As soon as I walked in, it was really clear which wing I needed to go to for my appointment. And then everything was automated. I went right up to the desk and she's like, what's your name? Yep, good. But if I didn't go up to the desk, they had little like Tesco self-service checkouts where you scan a barcode or you put in some number and it just registers you as being there for your appointment. And then it tells you on a screen where to sit to wait for the doctor. Now, the only problem with the screen was, it was like, oh, we're gonna put your personal information on this screen. So I sit in a room, a waiting room, of essentially my perfect demographic, like women within like childbearing age, 
in the UK. Like those are the women who come to my shows. Those are my people. So I'm in a room with loads of them and there's a screen that's updating all the time with different names and it says, wait, wait, wait. But then for some names, it goes, and the name goes big and it goes, walk over to G7. We're ready for you now. And you know exactly where to go, G7, and you see your doctor there. So I'm sat in this waiting room and for ages on this screen, it's like, Catherine, not just Catherine Ryan, Catherine Louise Ryan, wait, wait, Catherine Louise Ryan. And like, you know, Mindy, whatever, and Jennifer Smith and like all these different names. But my name, I don't know why it had my three names. So I just sat there and I could see women like looking up the screen and seeing my name genuinely. And they know I'm pregnant. If you listen to my podcast or if you follow my work, then these women looking around and going, oh, there's Catherine Ryan. So it was a party. I mean, I took loads of pictures in this uh, hospital. I had lots of fun. I had lots of chats with really nice girls who are due around the same time as me. And then all of a sudden it goes, Catherine Louise Ryan, go to whatever. Two minutes earlier than my appointment. When has that ever happened in the history of the NHS? So I got up and I said, oh, I got to make my way to M six and I went down the corridor and I talked to this really cool doctor who was young and had like daughters and he was really really nice and I said look um I was hesitant to come here because ideally I don't want a hospital transfer obviously and I think my local hospital is probably pretty dangerous and this hospital's awesome and he said well your local hospital isn't dangerous. I work there. I deliver babies there all the time. It's a really great hospital. This hospital is where we do the antenatal appointments. But, you know, and he made me feel really at ease. And the nurse took some blood from me. And they took some urine from me. And I just had a great day. And then at the end, I went downstairs to Acosta Coffee that stocks Percy fucking pigs now. And then I drove home. And the parking was really easy. Oh, Guys, you know, sometimes you can have a great hospital experience. It was Chase Farm. It was Chase Farm Hospital. And it's like a royal free branch in Northland. It was so good. Try to go there if you can for your appointments. Ugh, I could not recommend them more. And he made me feel more at ease about my growth scan. He said, you know, if you take into consideration your ethnicity and your height, this baby's not actually small. You're going to be fine. Da-da-da-da-da. Loved it. Loved meeting all you gals, loved the Percy pigs, loved the nurses. I really want to go back there now, but I mean, I don't touch wood. Oh my God, Catherine, stop it. I do want to have the baby at home, but I want to just pop in, you know, to the Costa and say hello to my new friends. If you have any thoughts about this podcast or me or something in the world, or you have any problems or you have any questions or you have any health concerns about your labia, please write me an email telling everybody everything at gmail.com. I have some cool messages for you now. And when we return, I will see what you've emailed me this week. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Oh, it looks like I'm not the only one having parenting issues this week. Catherine, my son, choked someone at school. My son is autistic and having a fucking hell of a time in grade one. This year, they separated him from all his friends and he's in a class with kids who don't like him. And where it gets controversial is I do understand why they didn't like him and I don't blame them. My son does struggle with being heard and is feeling ignored, so he turns to being hands-on. Two days ago, a kid was spitting at my son and asked the boy to stop. Oh, my son asked the boy to stop, I guess. When he didn't, my son grabbed his throat with one hand and started to choke him to get him to stop. Now the teacher understands the intent was not to cause harm, but rather to find a resolution to a problem. And my son did choose the wrong action, but I'm mortified. The next day, all the boys in the class said they aren't his friend. They won't play with him. I'm devastated, and I feel this deep embarrassment and shame. My son is considered high-functioning, and regardless of diagnosis, there's no excuse for choking someone. This is the first time this has happened. The immense guilt I feel has me questioning sending him to school at all. I feel like a failure as a mom. My heart is broken for my son who just wants to be included and have friends, but I can't fault the kids for not wanting that behavior around them. I don't know what to do. The school's fantastic, as is his teacher, but I don't feel like I can show my face there anymore. Well, look, I feel like we're learning so much more about neurodynamic thinking and neurodiversion, and that's what we call it now, and autism is a huge umbrella term for a load of different ways that kids develop and think and people function in society. And for ages, there was just one way of doing everything. And it started at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. We said, let's educate all these children based on date of production. You know, like if you're eight years old, this is your group. And we'll educate them this way and it'll make sense. And then everyone can work like the system really needs a rethink, like school in general. I don't know. I, I just don't know what it is preparing them for. And I think schools are great, especially when they're little. They have uh, loads of psychologists always working on it and finding different ways to play to enrich their experience. And I think teachers do an excellent job and are not rewarded enough. However, they're not all the same and they don't all communicate the same. And one parent might say, well, I don't want my child in a dangerous environment with someone who might choke them. And then another parent is like, all right, well, I don't want my son to choke your child either. And we both want to get to the same place where all our kids can be peaceful and be happy and be friends. And I think the benefit of having these conversations is that people aren't blaming you the way you imagine that they are. I think a lot of people would feel very relieved that they're not in your uncontrollable situation where you have to deal with a neurodivergent thinking child. Uh, that's how I would feel if you were another parent in the class. And there was a child in Violet's group when she was very small 
who scratched her in the back one time and I saw this child being really violent a few times and I don't know this boy's situation but now I do instead of judging I started to take a step back and go well you know I don't know what's going on here but my job is just to like shield Violet from getting hurt I think uh, surely there are proper support systems to help you deal with whatever learning path your son is on. I certainly can't give you advice as to say like, here's how you stop an autistic child from choking someone. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know. I suppose you would have to have uh, people who have dealt with the same, other parents or professionals advising you on that. All I can advise you is from the standpoint of a mom is that like, you're dealing with a bunch of things that other people aren't dealing with. And I totally appreciate that your heart is broken mostly for your son because he's just trying to navigate a world that is different for him to understand than it is for other kids. And he doesn't want to hurt people. And who's this other fucking kid for spitting at your son? I almost feel like, let's say no one's autistic in this scenario. If someone's spitting at my kid and my kid grabs him by the neck, I'm not even mad. You know? I think the most important thing to reassure you right now is not to feel mortified. Other parents are just happy that they don't have to deal with the extra things that right now you are dealing with. That is the same if your child kicks off on a plane. People say, you know what? It happens to all of us. We're not in control of who our child is going to be all the time. And we're just happy our child's not kicking off on a plane. I think you would get a lot more empathy than you know. And if it's appropriate... Maybe invite the other parents to a group chat and say, just so everyone's on the same page, my child does have these challenges and we're working through them and I absolutely don't want your kids to feel like they need to be scared or they're going to get hurt and we're going to work on a solution. My son really wants to be their friend and I really want your uh, understanding and support with this because you know we're all trying to do the same thing, which is have happy stable, calm, fulfilled kids. Oh gosh. All right. We had a situation with nudes last week. We have a situation with nudes this week. Catherine, my boyfriend and I were on holiday earlier this year and I'd made friends with a new couple. My boyfriend was scrolling through his photos to find something to show them. I glanced over mid scroll. I saw a nude of a blonde girl. I am brunette. So this was for sure not me. (laughs) I love that that's how you know it wasn't you. You're like, well, you know, but maybe it was like a quick glance when you're just, wait a minute, that's blonde. It was on my mind all night. It still is on my mind to this day. I questioned him at the time. His excuse was he doesn't have the time to go back and delete all the nudes. And I asked, do I want him to go back and look through the, oh, he asked, do I want him to go back and look through all the photos for him to delete it? My answer is, Yes and no. I want him to delete them, but I also don't want him looking back on them. Oh, what? All right. So, okay. So he, ugh. so he's been like, well, what do you want me to do? You want me to scroll through and re-enjoy all my nudes so that I can access them and delete them? And then you're like, well, no, I'd rather the nudes just self-combusted and blew their way out of your phone without you having to look at them again and get these nudes back in your memory. He's like done a clever thing there where he's like, oh my God, actually the more I think about this guy, he's a fucking genius. 
Wow. Oh, no. Do you know men listen to this podcast and they are going to use that as an excuse now? It's the perfect crime to go, oh, well, babe, I was going to delete the nudes, but deleting the nudes would mean looking at the nudes, which I definitely don't want to do because that would be an infringement on our relationship. It would be a betrayal. How am I to delete the nudes without looking at the very nudes like the nudes are Medusa? Until an app is developed that can blindly scan through my pictures and use artificial intelligence, a special nude bot to identify every bot in the phone and delete it without me glancing an eye across it. The nudes will remain in my phone sealed forever. This guy. Side note, this picture was before he knew me. My boyfriend's very loyal. He's never once given me a reason not to trust him. He's a really nice guy, not a dick. All right, look. I know he's nice and he's really smart and you need to watch out for him because he is smart. Bobby uh, had a problem with my answer last week. I said to the young woman who wrote in and said, oh, I was scrolling through the phone while my boyfriend was in the shower. First, I said I didn't believe her and she should be honest with me and she was looking for trouble and what you seek, you shall find. Don't look for trouble if you don't want to find trouble. In your instance, I know it sounds like, you know, you just glanced over, you weren't looking in his phone, but, you know, similarly, Bobby said to me, oh, it's not all uh, her fault, Catherine. Like, he needed to delete the nudes. Like, you have a responsibility in a new relationship to make sure there aren't nudes on your phone. Like, he's been an idiot. He's not being disloyal. He's not cheating. But, like, he is being an idiot. You can have a happy wife, happy life by just deleting old nudes off your phone. And I'm weird because I just don't care. Like, I don't, Bobby, I know now from what he said, seems to be someone who doesn't have nudes in his phone because he's like, first of all, he got a new phone when he moved here, but also he's like, he thinks the guys need to delete the nudes. That's what he said. And I feel like I don't care. So here's the thing. Everyone needs to make a personal set of boundaries in their own relationship, regardless of what anybody else thinks. And if it makes you feel uncomfortable to know that these nudes exist and he doesn't want to look at them and you don't really want to look at them and he probably doesn't want you looking at them then you need to nominate a neutral third party like maybe his dad could go through his phone for him until the nude deleting app exists or maybe one of you young gen z startup people could could think of this app this app could save lives save relationships It's an app that scans your pictures and it just knows if it sees a tit. Like Instagram knows when it sees a nipple, doesn't know when it sees hate speech, knows when it sees the word COVID, doesn't know when it sees like racist language or uh, sexual threats of violence. But, you know, Instagram seems to have this technology. Use an app to scan for tits and vag and delete the phone. Until then, ask his dad or someone you guys trust to go through the phone and delete them. It's the only way. And then good luck with the rest of your relationship. Keep your eyes to yourself. Uh Uh-oh, I meant my dream man, but... But what? But nudes? You met your dream man, but? Catherine, I'm a single mom. After a couple of years, I feel like I'm finally starting to be myself again. I remember who I am outside single mom. I've dated a little, but nothing special. I went to the city for a gig, totally solo. The gig was amazing. Good for you. 
do you know, lots of people go to stand-up gigs alone and lots of people go to music gigs, poetry gigs, like whatever it is you want to do. It's a great place to go alone. Take yourself to a musical this holiday season alone. Get a glass of red wine or like a nice pint. Just sit there alone. No one's allowed to chat to the person they came with anyway. It's a great thing to do. When I left, a guy walked up the road with me and we got chatting. This sounds like dangerous to me right away. Oh my God. I saw this thing and it was from 12 years ago, actually. This is a real aside. I don't like to drudge words up from a decade ago because what someone felt that long ago could be very different from what they feel now. So please listen to what I have to say with grace for this person and understanding that maybe he has a different opinion today. But someone posted on Twitter that Stephen Fry, 12 years ago, a very clever, infamously man of gay orientation, he said something to the effect that like, oh, well, straight women don't enjoy sex that much. If they did, they would be doing it like gay guys having sex in Hampstead Heath. Uh, but they don't do that. So it's it's straight women being prudish, basically. And someone commented, well, we're scared of getting killed. Like, maybe we like sex, but we don't want to have sex in the Starbucks washroom like you're suggesting because, like, it's dangerous for us to just leave with someone. And I just couldn't believe, like, the ignorance of that coming from such a smart man. But maybe he was taken out of context, and it was a decade ago. And then Bobby also said, well, biologically, Catherine, like, Men can afford to have lower standards because they can, if you want to take it to an animal place, they can just like, I don't know, like spaff. <laughs> I'm running out of words spaff for cum. Spaff a hundred times a day and like get a hundred women pregnant a day, conceivably where women have to be more selective and da 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 da, all these reasons. Like there are biological things, even in a very gender fluid, woke uh, society where we have to just look at it and be like, we're different, but don't say that we're like ice queens. We hate sex because we won't suck someone off on the heath. Anyway, it's dangerous. It makes me feel right away like, ooh, you left with someone and you walked down the road at the end of the night. But it went well. She says, he is the most interesting person I've ever met. He got all my music references, told me about things I'd never heard about and I'm now enjoying. And he was a gent. He asked for my socials once and I said no. And he said, good night. Long story short, I got home and found him on Instagram. Now we've been chatting a little bit, and I think he's perfect, but he lives very far away, 500 miles. He's single. He reaches out to me as much as I do to him. I'm not free and easy. I have a little kid, but I do feel drawn to this person. I'm usually a realist, pretty cynical, but I honestly feel like he could be my soulmate, so what do I do? Am I breaking my own heart to daydream about this guy? Or should I just tell him I think he's amazing and try to meet up with him to make sure this attraction is real? Well, you know me. Bobby, when we got back together, lived over 3,000 miles away. And I couldn't go anywhere because I had a small child. Well, not too small. Nine. And I had a career here. And there's no way I was ever moving back to Canada because I just couldn't work, basically. Um, and I wouldn't take Violet away from her whole school and everything else. And I was very lucky that Bobby was in a position where he was like, yeah, I'll come. Like he's a bachelor and he didn't have kids and 
He was prepared to uproot his life for me. And by the way, he had a really good life. He had a lot of friends. And then there was a terrible pandemic. Obviously, he didn't get to see people. He's a very social person. And now, you know, he's got small children and a lot of responsibilities. And it's difficult to make new friends as an adult. So anybody who likes to go, oh, Bobby's got this like easy ride where he just like quit everything and came to live with Catherine. That's not easy to do. Let me tell you from the inside. It's lonely and I work a lot and I wish people would be Bobby's friend. But the double-edged sword of success is like all the guys I'm friends with are very busy too. They would be Bobby's friends, but A, we couldn't see them for two years and B, they're always on tour or doing something as well. So it's hard for anyone to uproot their life, but I don't see a reason why maybe this guy wouldn't do it for you. And I definitely don't think the distance between you, which is 500 miles, by the way, I was trying to keep that anonymous, but... It could be 500 miles in any direction. I think it's worth it. You're ready to date. He's your dream man. Absolutely see where it goes. It doesn't mean that you have to move your child to where he is. Just see. And then if it feels like it's dragging on and no one's going to make a move and you don't want to be in a long distance relationship, then fine. But if it's the real thing, you guys will move heaven and earth to be together and it will be fine. Just try. Ooh la la. This is right up my alley. How to tell people I'm getting plastic surgery. This is from my mom as well. No, it's not. This is from someone else. Catherine, I'm looking for some advice. I'm 24. After 12 years of wanting a nose job, I can finally afford one. I have found myself a great surgeon in London. I've been researching surgeons for the last 18 months, and I'm looking to get my surgery next April. I'm so excited to finally feel confident in my looks, and I honestly cannot wait until my surgery, but... I'm so scared to tell my family and friends what I'm doing. I've never expressed any concern with my looks to anyone before, so I'm embarrassed that now they're going to know I don't like my nose. I think this will come as a bit of a shock to people around me. Have you got any advice on how to tell my friends and family that I'm getting the surgery? I don't want them to feel as though they can talk me out of it, but I know they'll try. Well, you don't tell them then. You're 24 years old. You are a grown-ass woman whose frontal lobe is going to finish developing next year. I usually say not to make any life-altering decisions until then, but it seems like you're pretty set on what you want to do. A nose job is serious surgery, and you might need some support and help afterwards. I've never, I mean, loads of people think I've had a nose job. I've had breast augmentation, and I remember being 21 years old, laying in bed that day and I was fine I took the dog for a walk like I went out for popsicles I had a great day but I was like "Ooh, this hurts I can manage it but I can't imagine how much it would hurt if it was in the middle of my face because then you get like congestion and a headache I just feel like a nose job is something you can't run away from it's like right in the middle of your face so it probably hurts so you need to first and foremost make sure you've told people that you trust that you might need a little bit of support that week Uh, though I know that there are some surgeons who offer like nursing and support for your week of recovery if you don't want to tell a soul because you don't have to. And also, if you have chosen a really reputable surgeon as you say that you have, you would be amazed. Some people can't even tell that you had a nose job. One of my girlfriends in LA had a nose job and I didn't notice. She just looked like so hot the next time I saw her she's she's one of the most beautiful women in the world and she's older than me and she's like so so hot 
But I saw her and I was like, oh my God, you look better than ever. And she offered up. She said, oh, I had a nose job. And she didn't even tell her kids. She has teenage kids who didn't notice. Now, they do live in LA and I think lots of people have nose jobs, but like, and teenage kids don't really look at your face. But my point is you can have a very subtle nose job. And then if someone, which British people are very unlikely to do, wants to bring it up and go, uh, have you had a nose job? Then after the fact, you say, yeah, you know what? I didn't really want to talk about it, but I have felt insecure about my nose. And so I got a nose job and here it is. And it's way easier to talk about it backwards than forwards because then you avoid people trying to talk you out of it, judging you. I think a lot of people still have this misconception that if you get a nose job, you're going to look like Michael Jackson. You know, just do it. If you are a grown woman, you're paying for this nose job, you know what you want to do, you've researched, it sounds like you're well-informed, then do it. Wait till people bring it up with you and then go, yep, I did. Anyway, what's for lunch? It's less of a big deal than you think. And you're doing this for you at the end of the day. And if you're not doing it for you, then maybe you need to think about your reasons for doing it and reconsider. But if it's for you, you know, you owe no one any explanation. Oh, no, 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 no. Catherine, (gasps) she's eight months pregnant. Shall I tell her about her cheating baby's father? A little backstory. I was with a boy for a year and a half, three years ago. We were best friends for some time and then we started dating. It was amazing at first, but quickly became toxic, abusive mentally and physically violent. This boy would cheat on me almost every day, beat me regularly, and even forced me to sell drugs for him at one point. Luckily, we broke up and I thank my lucky stars every day that we didn't end up in lockdown together. God knows what could have happened. I'm so sorry. This, like, this is illegal, by the way. Not just like, oh, lucky we broke up. No, like, he is an abuser. And if you need help or counseling or want to take that further legally, then you have every right to. And I hope that even if you feel like, oh, that's behind me, that you've spoken to a professional about your experience. Wow. Okay, fast forward to now. I'm in an incredible relationship and we share a beautiful baby boy. My ex is also in a relationship. That girl is eight months pregnant with his child. I know this from snooping on socials when I'm bored. Oh my God. For Okay, never do that again. This is a problem. And if you're wondering, where did this problem start? How could I have not been in the conundrum that I'm in right now, emailing the podcast? This is the moment. You have no business snooping on his socials at all. It was a toxic, abusive relationship. You are out of it. He is not your responsibility. His future victims are not your responsibility. You can't put that on yourself because you are a mother and a wife and you have a busy life and like you need, it's a it's a mess. It's a mess for you to be snooping on his socials. Recently, I have found out that he's cheating on his girlfriend. A girlfriend of mine saw him at the cinema on a date with a different girl. And now my current boyfriend is friends with one of my ex's friends and has confirmed he is cheating on his pregnant girlfriend every day. I don't want to meddle or interfere, but I really want to tell the new girlfriend. You know, the English language is a tricky thing. But sometimes people write a sentence to me that says, I don't want to interfere or interfere but I want to interfere. Sounds to me like you 
don't know the difference between meddling, interfering, and telling this new girlfriend if they're all the same thing, you, you <laughs> I know what you mean, you want to save someone pain, but doing it this way involves interfering. And also all this spying on this guy, like you knew he was cheating on his pregnant girlfriend every day when he cheated on you every day. People don't change that much. Like a bad person is going to keep being a bad person usually. This is why you shouldn't have any mutual friends or any one. Like, I even had an ex one time who's not a bad guy. And my friend Jen was in America and she sent me a picture of him on a date with a girl after we'd broken up in a restaurant. She was like, oh my God, look who I saw on a date. And I was like, like for a second, it like cut me to the core, even though we weren't together anymore, but it still hurt my feelings. And then I looked closely at the picture and it was his agent whom he's not dating. She has a baby with someone else. Um, and he's dating someone completely different now. But like in the moment, I was like, oh my God, why would you send me that picture? I said, if you ever see anything like that again, please don't take a picture of it and send it to me because it hurt my feelings. Like that's what you need to say to your friends. If you hear anything about this guy, don't tell me. And I'm not looking on his socials. And you tell your partner too. You say, I don't want to hear this person's name. God. Okay, it isn't my place to tell his girlfriend, but I can't shake the feeling of guilt. I wish someone would have told me. I had a rough pregnancy, oh, and three miscarriages prior to that, so I know how stressful it is. Do I tell her or let her carry on as normal and have the baby and think it's all happy families? I don't want to get involved. Yes, you do. Shall I create an anonymous social and tell her? Is it too much stress? Please help. He's so abusive. I do fear for her. Oh, oh my God. You're in a mess. You're in a mess. She knows. She knows. And you knew. This guy was beating you up. He was abusive emotionally, physically. He was controlling. He was toxic. You found out he was cheating on you. This woman is going to find out the same way. And you don't need to involve yourself. Um, like I said, if this guy's a serial abuser and you have the strength to, then you can go to an actual, you know, police station about it. But I understand there are reasons why people don't want to do that too. But look, oh, you're really in the mess now. I don't know. I mean, look, if you feel a loyalty to this woman, you could call her on the telephone, message her and go, can I call you? Uh, and say, look, this guy was really toxic and abusive with me. And I worry that he's toxic and abusive with you. And I hope that you feel safe and that you're okay. Like, what can you do? You're, you're ill-equipped to help this girl because she's about to have a baby either way. He's cheating on her and he's probably abusing her. Maybe what you could do is, yeah, I think if you're genuinely concerned and you don't want to get in any gossip or any mess, my brain has just kicked in. You are effectively worried about a vulnerable woman and her soon-to-be-born child this, some people might disagree with, I think you could call child services and you could say, just ask them for advice or like maybe a neutral charity that isn't child services and ask them for advice and say, there's a woman that I believe is in danger, not just being cheated on, but is very vulnerable because she's about to have a baby and she's being disrespected and probably abused because I was abused and there's going to be a baby. So there might be a displaced woman who feels like she needs refuge, but she's in a tough spot because she just had a baby soon. 
or there might be a baby who's entering an abusive household and I would like a professional to check it out. That's what you have to do. You can't be meddling, like you said. You can't be just adding fuel to the fire because he's just going to say that's my ex. My ex is crazy. So if you really think someone's in danger, then you need to reach out to a professional for this woman who could very well be in a position where she has nowhere to go with her new baby and for the baby. And that's, if it's serious, that's where you need to take it. Oh, this is a lovely way to end. Oh, what a nice Sex in the City reference. Catherine, just listening to your latest podcast and re-Pete Davidson's dick. I think it's like that episode of Sex in the City when Charlotte dates Mr. Pussy. You can only date him for a little bit and then you got to throw him back into the dating pool for other women to enjoy. Love your podcast and shows. Good luck for your labor. May it be quick and require no stitches. Angela. I'm going to say her name because that was poetry, Ange. Thank you for that message. Thank you for the well wishes. I would like to extend those well wishes to all my listeners today. Thank you so much for being here. Please look after yourselves. Um, Don't worry about the podcast being late. As I work less to focus on welcoming the new baby into our winter home, I will actually be way more free to deliver you the podcast that you love on time. Write me an email telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Let me know what you think, what you're seeing, what you're uh, passionate about, any questions you have about your life. So many emails this week. I wish I could have gotten to more, but if you've written me an email and I didn't get back to you, don't worry. It will roll over into next week. I will always try to go back and read the best ones that I can and include those. So thank you and good night. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com